Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturgis. I come to Father's Day for years now, being in the ministry 38, 39 years of public ministry. And my matter of record in history has been that uh, on Mother's Day, everybody wants to come because I encourage and affirm and, and build up moms, women in general. And, um, and then when it gets to Father's Day, I beat up on dads. Um, so you, three, three or four people right here said amen. Okay. Um, I feel it is a courageous role to live in this world as a, as a man and a father. But I am coming today with a bit of a different bent because of the onslaught of living in a politically correct culture more and more and more to the extent, listen closely, that at times you don't know what you can say. I mean, if you, if you use a wrong word that five or 10 or 20 years ago was an okay word and it didn't mean anything negative or pejorative, but you use it and today it's not the right word, then you're uncool, out of touch, and just oh so bad. And it really has gone too far. Now, I'm a word person, but it has gone too far. And I want to say this to you because I was talking to a spiritual father of mine, Pastor Dale Denham, this morning. Um, I called him <clears throat> on the way here as something in Scripture I wanted to talk to him about, so I did. And I said to him, I said, the problem, listen to me, I said, the, the political correctness is the attempt of the world to do the act of redemption. Now, let me tell you what redemption means around here. Redeeming means bringing the full value out of a human being. God's work of redemption on mankind is to bring the full value out of our life. That's what his word is written about. It was the purpose of Jesus coming to the cross. That full potential was lost on the last day in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. But ever since that moment, God says, I've set in motion a plan to redeem that. And, bring, and he has not quit. And since the cross especially, it has been the goal of the Father to bring out the full worth and value, to redeem who you are. Now, we often listen to other voices. So here's the statement that political correctness, matter of fact, I've said this statement. Let me go ahead and say this one. That uh, the, the world's efforts in their system is simply an attempt to do the work of redemption without a redeemer. And so I was saying to Pastor Dale on the phone this morning... I said, you know, that's what political correctness does. It's, they're not like Nazis or whatever, uh, word Nazis are looking to beat someone down. They're looking to create a, a level playing field. And I said, political correct, correctness is just another attempt to do the work of redemption without a redeemer. And he immediately said back to me, he said, Tom, I've heard you say that before. He said, and I want to say this. He said, um, Whenever we attempt to do the work of redemption without a redeemer, we will kill that which we attempt to redeem. Now, that may not sound like much, but immediately my mind flashed to Scripture. It flashed to the efforts of the Pharisees during Jesus' time. We see most clearly their goal was to try and do the work and redeem mankind by reducing the Word of God to a legal code of life. And in so doing, they destroyed the very thing that they thought they could redeem by reducing. You see, Phariseeism was only a 2,000-year-old voice of political correctness. That's all. And so we live in that culture today where it seems we hang on every word and this idea to level the ground and the playing field. Now, why, why, this is Father's Day 
uh, Pastor Tom, why are you talking about political correctness? Because we come in here today, and I want to unabashedly, I want to affirm men. And see, when you say that, and by the way, for those of you who have spent any time with me or Brenda and me together, you'll know that I am a rabid defender of the place of life and ministry, a place in the world and ministry of women. I believe God created mankind, man and woman. I don't believe there are subordinate roles. I don't believe there's any place or ministry in the church that a woman cannot function in. I believe that was done away with when Acts chapter 2 said, the Holy Spirit, if you will, came back. And I say came back because it's our contention here that the Holy Spirit visited potently the people uh, on this planet. Genesis chapter 3 daily would encounter them. But in Acts chapter 2, he comes back and he says this. He says, now, to my sons and daughters, to my handmaidens, you will prophesy. And suddenly the Holy Spirit comes back and says, anything that might have been restricted, ready to do that, you are now prepared and empowered to do that ministry by God. So there's no one who more passionately affirms that. And I don't affirm it because of cultural political correctness. I affirm that because of what I believe about Scripture for decades. And, and end of story. But having said that, we come to this day, and I want to talk to fathers about being fathers. I want to celebrate fathers. I want to celebrate men. I want to celebrate men who, who live in a culture, and we don't often know what to do. If you celebrate being a man, then you're a bumbling idiot. And, and, and culture, politically correct culture, has reduced that notion to that. And so all, all of the jokes, all of that, and they seem to be acceptable. And once again, when political correctness seeks to redeem something, it ends up destroying that which it may have otherwise redeemed. And so it is with men. It's no mistake that still we live in a culture where very often women will receive less pay than men. To, it's still out there. It's not at all what it was, but it's still out there. Um, we live in a culture where there are still snarky, condescending things said by people, uh, by men towards women. But what I want to say to you and to the men in this room, to the men of New Hope, and to everyone else at New Hope Church, that just because that may have been or may have been the truth historically or culturally, you can't lay it at the feet of every man that's in this room. Nor can you lay it at the feet of a man because he walks into the room and says, oh, you're a man. See, and that's another thing political correctness does. It doesn't redeem anything. It reverses a prejudice. That's all it does. Now, I could, I could speak to that a great deal more from a socio and geopolitical context, but I don't use this platform for that. Political correctness ultimately swings and reverses, and the level ground it would hope to create, all it does is create a reverse prejudice in the opposite direction. So now it's acceptable to talk about stupid men and man genes and dumb men stuff and all of that. And I, you know, I'm not blown off by the joke, but it's almost when you walk into a room. Men, if you walk into a room where women are gathered, almost every man will tell you here, and I say almost, some may not, but almost every man will tell you here, okay, uh, I've just walked into this room, and in likelihood, the prevailing mentality is some stupid man joke or stupid man thought. So I want to tell you that unabashedly I'm coming that to encourage fathers and to call fathers and men to a place of courage in the way 
that uh, Paul does. Now, I've, we've been doing a series on shame, so I'm going to tire of the shameless fathers. I'm also going to build a case. I've been, I've been reading a couple of different books by the author Brene Brown. She is not a Christian teacher, per se. She is a believer, says she's a believer. Um, but her writing on the topic of shame is just groundbreaking. And one of her books, I've never read a book four times in a row. And I've read the book Daring Greatly four times in a row. And it's just amazing. Her, her, her definitions of how shame show up in men, men show, shame shows up in men in weakness and failure. Everyone say weakness and failure. Weakness and failure. That's the root of shame for men. And, and just testing her, uh, her theories and her interviews, uh, running it by men, they'll nod their head and say, yeah, uh, you know, I can't fail at work. I can't fail at home. I can't fail in love. You know, every place is a next opportunity for failure, and failure means weakness. Now, I had an entire different sermon prepared for today on why men can often stand back from faith. I'm not going to preach that sermon, but I want to say this much, that very often men step back from worship in God because they think Here's another almost ecclesiastical political correctness, that if I lift my hands, if I cry, if I worship, that is weak, that's feminine, and I'm not a woman, and I'm not weak. And brothers, everything I just said is an absolute lie from the adversary. That is not weakness. I want to give you, for hypothesis, her three-word definition of courage, and we're going to end up there. For the definition that she builds, she says, Courage, whether in the home or on the battlefield, wherever it may show up, courage will involve three things. Risk, uncertainty, and vulnerability. Now, they all go hand in hand. Risk has with it uncertainty, and uncertainty would presume a sense of vulnerability because you're uncertain and you're exposed. Courage involved those things, whether it was a Medal of Honor winner who charged across a field, there was risk, uncertainty, and exposure and vulnerability. The reason they get, they, almost in every Medal of Honor citation, it says, and so-and-so exposed him or herself to this great potential for physical and bodily harm. The, 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 the highest award given, the Medal of Honor for courage and bravery displayed above and beyond, has many of these same conceptualizations in it. Men, let me tell you, to live in this world as a man, as a husband, as a father, requires us to be courageous. Now, what do men typically do? It started in the Garden of Eden. What do men typically do in the face of things that may make us feel weak or like a failure? We do one of two things, anger or disconnection. We run away and hide. We run away and hide. We run into a cave. We disconnect. And so I'm calling fathers, I'm calling men today a baptism of fresh biblical manhood, and that means show up. I could give you a hundred ways. Don't hide behind the newspaper. Don't hide to your project in the garage when you come home at five o'clock or seven o'clock. Show up. Be present. By the way, if I had to look back across my fatherhood and say one thing, I could say this. And I hope, I hope my children are watching today. I was there for them. There was never a thing they faced where, I, and I, I feel good about that. But I, I discovered in my own self yesterday as I was praying and reflecting that I was there for them, but very often I wasn't present. How can you be there for them and not present? 
Oh, I was there. I was a fixture. They would never face anything. Nothing was ever going to threaten them. I was there for them. If there was a crisis they need to talk about, I was there for them. But much of the time involved in life and ministry, because I tried to, to segment the times they said to me, it's like, well, Dad, it just seemed like, you know, we weren't apart. And, and so I will, I, I'm good at arguing. Tell me one time I wasn't there. So I will cite in each of their life a history and shut the argument down. And it wasn't until just the last couple of weeks that I noted a propensity within manhood that we can be there and yet not be present. Are you generally getting what I'm saying? Men, look at me. If it's still vague, say, no, I'm not getting it. But if you're getting it, nod your head. The men in particular. You getting what I'm saying? Okay, good. We can be there and not be present. We need to show up. Okay, enough said. That wasn't in my notes. Second Timothy. Everything we're going to study is from about five or six verses here. So let's jump on this horse and ride it. This is the Apostle Paul to his disciple Timothy. Timothy was not his blood son or son by by birth, but he spiritually adopted him. It's a fascinating story. Paul's ministry is in-your-face ministry. I mean, he just jumps up. You talk about a man of courage, and yet he said, I found that my strength was great, most greatly brought to bear in my weakness. He said, I charged at weakness, and it was there that I would find courage and that I would find strength. Matter of fact, almost one whole chapter is dedicated to that understanding in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. We're going to read from 2 and skip over a couple of verses and go through verse 9. But uh, chapter 2 says, To Timothy, my beloved son. Clear point of identity. Watch what he says. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Fathers, dads, listen to me. I'm going to read Pastor Tom's paraphrase. Timothy, my son. As a father, I have something to give you. Grace, peace, and mercy. Do you hear what he's saying That Grace. We study those three terms around here a lot. Two out of the three in almost an exhaustive fashion. I won't go into it. I want to say that grace is a dynamic pushback of God. Mercy is the refusal of God to join us in an identity less than his purpose. And peace is that sense of fullness that we may find. So if I were to expand this even farther, it would be Timothy, my son. Now he's about to write to Timothy again because Timothy had issues of fear, his own sense of identity. He was, quote, a half-breed, an ugly term to use, part Gentile, part Jew, so he was not accepted anywhere. And it's clear through the multiple places that where Paul would write to Timothy that he had a hesitation about who he was, who he was. And Paul constantly pushed back. So notice these words are not just Christian words. He says, to Timothy, my beloved son. What I want to give to you is the pushback of the grace of God that will stand in the face of anything that would crowd your space, squeeze you, or make your world small. And I want to give you the mercy of God that refuses to join you in the identity that you may have accepted about yourself that is anything less than what God would give you. And I want to give you the peace, the irene, shalom, if you would, from Hebrew, that which will fill you up and and cause you to be totally full, satisfied with a full sense of worth, my beloved son, This is what I want to give you. But notice what he said. He says, from the father, Timothy, my son, as a father, I have something to give you. But I want you to realize the reason you can trust it is that what I'm going to give you, I got from the father. I got it from our father. To dads, there is no greater gift we can give to our children than to pass along that which we have received from the father. Better than a talent, better than a trade, better than a discipline 
It is to stand up and say, the first thing I want to give to my children is what I got from the Father. Now, that presupposes something we need to set as a priority. I'm going to get something from God. I'm going to follow hard after God. I'm going to know God. I'm going to live courageously. I'm going to come back to that. Watch where it picks up in verse 6. I'm skipping ahead. He said, for this reason. Now, I want to give you pairs of words here. And dads, listen to me. When you, whether it's bringing truth or correction or even criticism, I want you to watch the sequence. I'm going to show you pairs of pronouns and nouns. Gabe, did we put all of them on one slide together at first, uh, one cue together? Or are they all separate? Do you have them all on one? Whatever you have, go ahead and put it up there and we'll work with it. I forgot which I asked you to do. But notice verse 6, okay? Watch this. He says, for this reason, I remind you. No, go back just, just to separate words. I'll finish that up in a minute. Just the individual little phrases. I remind you. Notice the sequence here. Then he says, to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you. So everybody, watch this, when you're communicating, dads, anyone actually, but say, I, you, say that with me, come on. Next thing he said was, God, you. See that? In this communication, I, you. In dealing with tough and sensitive things, see, Timothy was scared, he was timid, he just wasn't doing the things that he would otherwise call to do by God. So how do you approach that? Say, what's wrong with you, you little wimp? Man up. No, that wasn't it. That's not it. Shame won't ever get us. It may work temporarily, but it will never sustain and bring the outcome. I grew up doing the guy things, playing football and and in high school. And if there's any place that shame is used, you're called a wimp, a dirt bag, or whatever. And apparently, I didn't get enough of that. So then I joined the Marine Corps. You know, and of course, a Marine Corps boot camp. Anything they can do to shame you to death to move you. And it will work in a limited moment, but it doesn't sustain anything over the long haul. Shame does not do that. It ultimately creates a succeed or disengage mentality, period. There's no land in between. Okay, now, I, you, God, you, and then the next pair is you and my. That all happens in the first verse. We'll just leave that verse up there. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. Now watch the pairs here. I, you, God, you, my, you. As fathers, we stand in there. Dads, I'm calling you to be courageous. I'm calling you to pray. I'm calling you to call you, if they're adult children or small children at home, it makes no difference. For you to make a determination today that you're going to risk being courageous. You're going to be vulnerable. It's going to be uncertain. You're going to step onto ground. I'm calling you to pray. I'm calling you to affirm. I'm calling you to make a call today and say, listen, something from the word of God spoke to me. You see, for some of you sitting here to call one of your adult children in another place, dads, I get it. For you to even make that call and say something in the word of God spoke to me may be words they never heard out of your mouth before. You know that? So I'm here to beat you down and say, shame on you. No, I'm not. I'm here to say, risk having courage. Watch, there will never be a moment where you stand and take a risk on courage where you are not absolutely fulfilled. That is why the adversary wants to keep us from that. 
Because if we stay in our safe place, relatively disengaged, relatively disconnected, then you say, well, I'm not the spiritual person in your house. I didn't ask you to be the spiritual in your house, person in your house. I'm asking you to be a son of God. That's where he starts off, to my beloved son of God. That's all I'm asking you to be. I'm not asking you to be, to quote scripture. I'm not asking you to be any, anything where you can call up and, and break down and say, you know, I was parsing this verse in the Greek language and hermeneutically I was breaking it down. No, all you're going to do is call up and say, you know, today in church something happened. And I just want to say this to you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm wanting to pray that everything that God wants in you, that he would give us, that he would bring to the fullness. Every man in here say amen to that right now. Okay? I, you... God, you, my, you. We identify. Verse 7. Watch what he says. He says, watch verse 7. Here we go. You ready? I'm just going to add Timothy's name at the front. Everybody look at the screen. Look at that. Timothy, for God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So man up. Do you notice he doesn't say that? Do you notice he doesn't say that? As a matter of fact, if you're a manager or a leader or a business owner or whatever, if you're in any point of leadership, this is one of the most, when I talk to pastors, this is a critical point of intersection about how you deal with assessment and correction. Watch what he says. Timothy, my son, I give to God what I received from him. So I prayed for you and what you have came from him. Now, God has not given, what is that word? Magic two-letter word. What is it? God has not given no, everybody say it loud. God has not given. One more time. God has not given. You notice what he said? Paul didn't have any problem with fear, really. This guy, I, this guy had insane bravery. I mean, like, when I say stupid bravery, I'm not just using the current colloquialism. I mean, it's like crazy. It's like, dude, I can't believe you just did that. I can't believe you walked into the synagogue where you knew they were going to stone you and try to kill you, and you're going to preach Jesus Christ and say, hey, I got good news for you. And you would keep doing it again and again. Are you brain damaged? Why would you do it over and over? I mean, this guy is just just brash. But he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Therefore, here it comes. Do not be ashamed. Dads, I want to call you to a new mission, one that I don't know that I've seen. I don't know that I've seen it this clearly until this week and perhaps even preparing and reading these. As a father, I'm called to stand up, put my chest out, be courageous, and attack shame. Wherever it may show up in my family, with my wife, my children, what is shame? The big voice of shame says you're not enough. Shame. Remember our opening cue, our opening slide? Shame informs me of who I am. Guilt says what I've done. Shame says you are this. It started in the Garden of Eden and it's now. I am purposing at 62 years old with my two adult children and, uh, and uh, with any uh, and in-laws, outlaws, or anybody scattered across with my grandchildren. I have purposed on this day. I'm telling you the truth. Somehow it's tied into that whole apple tree thing I showed you. But I'm determined to stand on the edge of the life and say, I don't care what you think you see growing or what can't grow there. I'm standing here today to say that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit, us, a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. I've taught on those three things in the past. I don't have the data or the link to it right off the top of my head, but if you'd like that, email me. I'll send you these notes. I'll send you a link to that teaching in particular. Now, 
Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, but join me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Here it comes. Who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Jesus from all eternity. Now, when we use these terms, I, you, God, you, you, my, and then he says, God, us, and then he says, the spirit, the spirit in us. Dads, I'm calling you out today. I don't care if you can't quote a verse or a chapter of scripture. You know the father. You know the father. Well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm not that voice in my home. I'm not, I'm saying again, I'm not asking you to be that voice. I'm asking you to be the voice of the father. I'm asking you to be the voice of the father that simply says, you know, son, daughter, sweetheart, grandchild, whatever. I'm praying for you. I don't care how simple the prayer is. I challenge you this week to be men of courage, to call, to find a grandchild or a son or a daughter, to drive, to call them, get them on the phone, whatever, and say, you know, I, I just, I just, can I pray for you? Now, if you've never done that your whole life, be ready for them to faint on the other end of the phone and get over it. If you've never done that, because I'm still surprised to find a number of men that seems to have abdicated that because they think faith is somehow weak and vulnerable. And so that's this. And it's the I wish I could have taught that teaching from first Peter chapter three. I'm calling you out to do that, to be men who are courageous. It will be risky. It will be uncertain and you will be vulnerable. And you may even get a sarcastic response back. Well, this is the first time in your life. That's okay. You know how you handle that? With vulnerability. All you do is say back, you know, you're right. And I'm really sorry for that. And I don't care what kind of prayer you pray. Look at me. Every dad here. You're the only one that can pray a father's prayer. You're that father. You're the only one that can pray that prayer. You know, there's a lot of people that can pray the same words. I'm not talking about that. You're the only one that can pray the father's prayer. You're the only one that can say... Matter of fact, if you want to, here's, here's, get verse 2 in front of you and say, look, I just want to share a verse of Scripture that's sort of a prayer. Put their name in the blank. It could be Johnny. It could be Barbara or Sandy or Alice or whatever and say, Alice, my beloved daughter, I just want to pray over you grace and mercy and peace from God, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to remind you, I love verse 6, I want to remind you and just stir up that gift that is in you from God. There's nothing more precious. And, and listen, you can go ahead and say, you know, I haven't been vocal enough about that, but I want to be vocal now. And I want to tell you that the greatest gift you can have is that th- those things you receive from God, and I'm praying that God stirs them up in you. Amen. Okay? Now, listen. <laughs> Follow me along here, Gabe. The IU says, I'm here with you. I'm going back to those word pairings. IU says, I'm here with you. God, you says, I may be with you, but God is in you. Isn't that good news? You and my, if there is any gift I could give, it would be him. Again, if you want these notes or thoughts, you can send me an email, Tom at New Hope Online, and I'll send them to you. God, us, what I am encouraging you to depend on, I depend on as well. The Spirit in us. 
And then finally, be brave. Depend on him. And he will give you the power to do just that, to be brave. Be brave. He says, God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity. Now, what I have taught on most recently in that passage, go, uh, Gabe, jump back with me, if you would, to verse um, um, 7, please. I want to show you something. Most every translation will render that little word spirit. You see it with a little S? I am, I am a student of Gordon Fee, Dr. Gordon Fee, a textual critic. Uh, of scripture, and he says this is absolutely a misrepresentation of Greek consciousness or linguistics. He said, New Age has a little S spirit. He says, New Age people, the spirit of this, the spirit of that chair, the spirit of a tissue box, the spirit of a flower, the spirit of a thing. That was entirely foreign thought. He said, Translators have sought to quiet down the Holy Spirit. He, I can, he says, I contend and I believe with him, and he's won many others over. For God has not given us a Holy Spirit that is a Holy Spirit of timidity. God has not given us a Holy Spirit that is a Holy Spirit of fear or lack of courage, but one of love, power, and love, and discipline. And if you need anything to be courageous, you do need those three things. I'm praying for men to be courageous, and I'm going to pray for you today, but I'm hopeful that you will pray uh, for those that you'll give a call to this week. This is an us experience. This says, the last verse, verse 9, i got to share that with you. Who, uh, for God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Beloved, that is so full of life that our, the estimate of who we are is not just our works or what we do, but his purpose in it. And it essentially says this, this is an us experience. I will share the journey of purpose with you. God will never leave you without a sense of purpose. Okay? I want every... Every man, not just fathers, everyone, if you would, stand to your feet. But I'd like every man, if you would, to stand and come down here to the front. Every, if you're a teenage young man, matter of fact, I'm going to sort of, those of you my age or, or, or adult men, whatever, give a little room because I'm going to ask the teenage young men to step sort of in front of you so you can pray over them. But come on down here, man, if you would. Hallelujah. In my Father's house. Hallelujah. Now let me go ahead and get up here so I can see everybody. I get it. Press on in here a little bit. Okay, come on. There's the guys down the aisle. Thank you. By the way, I don't know how many men are here. I, I, I would guess if I had to count, I guess 100 or so, but... Uh, this coming Saturday morning at my house, uh, I'm get, at 6.30. Sunrise is at 6.19 a.m. At 6.30. I don't know how many of you will come. Uh, most everybody in the world has my phone number. This was a short notice thing. Uh, but I am so looking forward to this. This Saturday morning at, at, at my house at 6.30. Uh, it's not supposed to rain. So we're going to get out in my rather large front yard that I just finished trimming. Gerald and Nate helped came and drag branches off and burn them. Did you get poison ivy? Good, awesome. Um, every man needs to experience that. I was sort of praying for a rite of passage for it. But uh, I want you to come, and for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, uh, we're going to have some pancakes. It's just pancakes, coffee, and water. That's it used to do these men's breakfasts, and I would do this elaborate stuff. 
I think I figured out that that's not what we're getting together for. Okay? So it'll just be an excuse. 6.30 at my house. Now, uh, if you don't have my phone number, I'm going to give you a few minutes right at the end to come here and get my phone number. It's up to you to text me and say I'm coming because I want to have some idea of whether I'm preparing for 25 or 75 or whatever the case may be. But we're going to gather there. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to pick up right where we left off. Okay? We're going to pray for one another. We're going to walk together. All right? So... Uh, you got that? 6.30 next Saturday at my house. And you can come and you'll be gone in 75 minutes max, I promise. Now, I want some of our younger men, I think they're most here, pressed towards the front. If they're not, you can work your way here. Um, I want to do this. I want you to find one guy. One guy, not two, not sideways. I want you to find one guy and I want you to do this. Uh... Come here, brother. Stick your hand up. I want you to join hands like this, okay? Like that. One guy. Look him in the face, okay? One guy. I'll wait. I like that. See a dad with two sons. That's cool. I love that a lot. I want you to repeat this to one another at the same time. We're just going to jump in on this, but I want you to look that one person in the face and say, say these words. Say, we've been called to a unique place. We stand in the face of a culture that would dictate our terms to us. But we will not listen to that voice. We will listen to the voice of our Redeemer. We will listen to the voice of God. Today, like never before, being courageous is risky business. It's risky business. But I'm calling you to live with risk, uncertainty, and vulnerability. I'm calling you to make that call today you're going to get butterflies in your stomach you're going to be saying oh my goodness but man up God is in you God is with you we can do this we 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 can do this I am praying for you in Jesus name Amen. Hang on. Father, I pray for my brothers here right now. I pray for men of courage like never before, this thing that's stirring in my heart. I'm praying for brothers who would be courageous men, not men of culture. Oh. But men of the kingdom of God. I love you and praise you. Give us the courage to step up, even though when we step up, Others may mislabel that. We're simply stepping up and saying, I am speaking forth the word of God. What I received from God, I want to give to you however I may do that. May we show up. May we show up and be present. May we not disengage and hide. May we be there and be present in Jesus' name. I pray for my brothers, great men of God, make us courageous men. 
Men who are willing to take a risk. Lord, I just looked into the face of one of my brothers that I know earlier when I mentioned that tree and the uncertainty of can anything grow. I know that story that looms over his life. And you know who I'm talking about. And guys, I'm not being dramatic. I just felt like I needed to stop right here and ask you to pray with me. And I pray for that brother that feels like the mistakes and choices he's made has maybe killed the root of possibilities like that tree we looked at earlier. Father, I want you to scream in his mind across the corridors of time and space. Scream it. Shout it. Scream it. Scream it and shout it in his mind. I will not let your fruit fail. I will not let your fruit fail. I will not let your fruit fail. I have the final word on this. And to that extent, I extend that over any other man here who may have raised their hand, who may feel that in Jesus' name. I thank you for these brothers. I thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you for you, and I ask it in your name. So be it. Amen. Men, okay, I want you to do something. I want you to clap your hands and I want to hear a man shout. I want to hear that baritone shout. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.